Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone. Project Management Office Hours is now live streaming as well as being live radio. So we're the number one live radio show in the U.S. about project management. And we're broadcasting to you from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe. And for the next hour or so, we're going to be talking project management with our special guest. Before we get into that, uh, just for everybody out there, this is our first live stream uh, effort of the show. So we're streaming live, hopefully, on LinkedIn Live and YouTube right now. So if we have any technical challenges, apologize in advance. And uh, we welcome any comments you have. So as you're listening in live and you have any input or questions for myself or Nigel, please add them in and we'll work to uh, hit those up during the show. Also, of course, want to say Happy New Year to everybody. First show of the new year and also our first show of our fifth season. I cannot believe I've been doing this for five years now. Uh, this is show number 95, uh, which means in just a couple of months, we're going to hit 100 shows. Wow. I, I, I Hard to believe from where we started that we're still doing this. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. We're uh, excited for the year. We have a lot of great guests planned. Of course, we're, we're keeping it international. We've got an international guests today. Um, and then throughout the year, we've got guests that we're confirming from Australia, South Africa, Germany, Spain, Ukraine, U.S., of course, and, and many other locations around the world. So uh, I also want to say thank you to our sponsors, right? If we didn't have sponsors, none of this would be possible. They help us pay for all the technology and the studio time. So thank you to the PMO squad and the PMO leader. Uh, the PMO squad is the leading PM and PMO consulting firm in the U.S., and they can assist you with any of your agile project management or PMO consulting needs, uh, which would include project rescue, establishing or improving your PMO, uh, staffing any agile or project management resources, and really anything related to project management. That's all we do is project management activities. So if you have a project management challenge that you're trying to work through, reach out to the PMO squad. So that's enough of the intros. Let's do a uh, uh, welcome here to our first guest of the year, Nigel Creaser. Welcome, Nigel. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Great to be on here. So if you could uh, take a moment, Nigel, introduce yourself to our guests uh, and let them all know who you are, just a little bit about yourself. No worries. Uh, I'm Nigel Creaser. I am in the UK uh, in a little village called Pant. Don't make your own jokes on that, please. Uh, it's just on the Welsh border. Uh, I'm very lucky where I live. Uh, I've been a project manager for, I'm knocking on the door of 30 years, uh, across a number of different uh, industries and uh, different technologies. Uh, IT is my, my uh, area. Uh, formerly, I was uh, an accountant. I described myself as a failed accountant. Got the chance around year 2000 to jump across into IT they were paying more and they gave me a a, um, a, a, a line back to go into um, 
I into finance if I wanted to again, but I stayed there. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so I've basically been project management for for ages. And uh, a, a while back, I decided to author a couple of books. Uh, well, Peter Peter Taylor's fault, I think. Uh, and recently published my fourth book on project management, along with me having a podcast, which Joe kindly came on, one of my first guests back in 2019, which does seem like a long time ago now. Um, and uh, yeah, it, I've been enjoying uh, podcasting uh, as well. In, and I go by the name of the Sunday Lunch Project Manager. Well, it's, it's fantastic mm -hmm. to have you join us. And it was great to have uh, time on your show. Uh, and and to go through your scenario, and I think that's what's great about our industry, is there are are plenty of shows out there with a different format yeah. that really allow our our industry to to get different perspectives on on who some of the people are in our industry, what our experiences are, and and really learn more about the people because I think ultimately project management is really about people. Um, so oh, having a, having a show like yours is fantastic for everybody as well. I, I I do enjoy the interviews. I must say, it's uh, you find some very challenging and some very um, surprising things in it. I think one of my guests um, grew up in um, uh, Turkey during uh, a lot of his films, the war sort of time around there. Um, and one of my questions I always ask people on my show is about why they how uh, what did they want to be when they grew up as a kid and. Mm. Uh, Lots of different things. I am an, I am a, a, a pilot, or different different answers that I've had over time. And and he just said he wanted to be safe. Wow. And that was what he wanted to be as he grew up. And and kind of made me take take a pause on on me living where I live. And never been experienced to that kind of. And uh, uh, my my life been very lucky as well. So, uh, but it's, yeah, it's been it's great having that. You've got your show as well with it, uh, with I find that you you kind of mix it through the different kind of specialist topics and, and a bit of a mix in there. I like that. Sometimes it's I think someone talked to me about whether you do the show as or, or the format that I chose rather than doing um, uh, technical content, which to be honest, I'm, I wouldn't be as good as some of the people who are out there. There's some fantastic podcasts out there, so why try and do it better when they're doing it brilliantly? And I just kind of want, and I, and I like to chat, and I, I kind of difficult to stop me chatting. So I thought let's have a nice long form one and let people chat. Yeah, I, I love it. I think when I think if I'm remembering back to the show, the question of what did I want to be when I grew up, I think I wanted to be a major league baseball player. If I if I remember my answer correctly, I, I think that's right. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. now that I'm in my uh, mid fifties, that's that's no longer possible. But. If you can dream it, you can you can achieve it. Yeah, sure. Maybe this, I think it'd be a nightmare now if I tried it rather than a, a dream. I, I, one of the things similar sort of not similar, but uh, when I was a kid, I used to do judo, and I stopped when I was about eighteen. And uh, in my early forties, uh, after watching the uh, the Olympics in London, uh, I got inspired to get step back on the mat on that, and started learning again and kind of starting from scratch. Uh, I've not looked back at them and. It was quite useful in the fact that um, uh, there's a really rich veterans and masters scene, and there's not thousands of people in there, but there's enough for it to be good, good enough that you don't have to qualify a great deal. 
you have to be of a certain level, but you don't have to go around qualifying to get in. So I'm able to enter sort of international competitions as long as I've got enough cash and the travel budget to get there, I can enter it. So I'm quite enjoying that, uh, reliving my uh, my dreams of uh, maybe being a, an athlete, which I kind of not didn't have at the time. So it's, it's never too late. You always find something. Yeah, I love that. So the, the podcast is The Sunday Lunch Project. Yes. Where does that name come from? Um, it's a book I haven't written. I blame Peter Taylor. Um, <laughs> Let's blame uh, Peter. Uh, yeah, I think most of the... the Hopefully he's not listening. Is, we can tell him afterwards. Yeah. Well, if he, I'm sure if he'd seen me, he'd, he would have thought I won't listen to that. Um, uh, Peter, when he wrote The Lazy Project Manager, um, and I read that book, I, I saw him speak. Um, and I was kind of inspired by the fact that the way he'd written, which was not irreverent, but a more lighthearted but informative book, rather than a thick procedural tome that was traditionally sort of books that I'd seen around um, management, project management, etc. And made it really accessible about what were really important things to do um, uh, when you're a project manager. And, and, and I really read the book and went, yeah, that makes absolute sense what he's put there. And I kind of just had it in my head of, uh, of that I wanted to write something from years ago when I was a kid. And I just thought, yeah, the Sunday Lunch Project. And I came up with an idea, and it's a book. Um, I'll probably tell people about it, but I'll say it's basically um, the concept is it's a bit of a parable or a little bit of a, I can't remember what the word, yeah, parable, a funny parable, bit of a laugh, bit of a giggle. You can see my little hashtag on there. Project management is funny. Um, and it, it's supposed to be a humorous book, but I started looking at it, looking to do it, and discovered I'd never written a book before and didn't know what to do. And it was bigger than I thought it would be and harder than I thought it would be. And um, it's still sitting there on where I've got behind me somewhere, a sheet of paper with all of the mind map that I drew out for it. And then I started writing like, project started thinking that's a brand. I quite like the idea. It's a brand idea. And, Rather than getting on writing a book, I started playground with ideas and branding. And uh, at that time, I also came up with the idea of my first book that I did, which was uh, when I were a project manager, which is a, a, a kind of take on the um, uh, Four Yorkshire yeah. sketch from uh, Monty Python. I think it was before Monty Python, but Monty Python made it famous. And it's, it's four project managers sat in a little sketch talking about how they had it hard when they were a project manager which uh, is actually available either at 77p or you can sometimes get it free uh, on Amazon. If you Amazon Kindle, you can get it free there. It's only a 25 pages thing, but hopefully it'll, it'll bring a smile and a bit of recognition to people. So I, I started, I wrote that book um, in kind of to learn how to do it and learn how to publish, learn how to get through the processes and get all that, did that. And then came up with another idea, thought I'd really enjoyed doing this. And I thought I'd do a few more, a few sketches and songs. And that's what the second book I did project management sketches, which took a long time. So all of these, it kind of just my technique of procrastination, I suppose, uh, stopping myself doing the, uh, the Sunday lunch project, the harder one in, in some ways. Um, so that's how I, that's where it all came from. And then I had these two books and I had some people buying some of them, but not many. And so I thought, I know, I'll, um, one of the songs in the second book is called The 12 Days of Project. Mm. And I decided one day with me and my girls, we sat and we we recorded our two daughters and we were, it was a few years ago now and we recorded it just on my phone and I, uh, I decided I was going to uh, push that out and I put it out on the 
on the first episodes of the podcast, you'll see the early ones is just that. It's just day one, day two, leading up to Christmas at that time of that year. And then I started using it to say, well, I've got this book. Would you like to buy this book? Would you like to buy this? So I, was, I was screaming into the internet saying, buy my book, <laughs> without much um, value being added on top of that, other than me kind of talking. And then I thought, there were a few things happened at work, and I kind of thought, I'm going to do this. I need to do it properly. And on the podcast and, and I thought I really want to make something I want to do something with it and so I started interviewing people I thought right who do I know I've, I've been in touch with Peter and talked to Peter before and I thought ping him a, a message on LinkedIn and said Peter can you come and have a pop onto the podcast and can we have a chat about you and the, the idea was to talk about people's background how they got into project management why they got into project management what other projects they're in as I say I was a failed accountant and kind of drifted into project management uh, and and as many of us are, although I have met people nowadays who are, um, they're leaving, they're going into university or into college and learning specifically project management degrees, which was non-existent when I was um, around. It wasn't even a career that I did. Yeah, same for that's me. That's it, really. It's a bit of a long answer to that question, but that's, that's the Sunday lunch project became my brand by default. And one day I will like it. I'm just sort of completes the circle if you like but i stuck, stuck with it now i kind of like it so. yeah i know it's a nice catchy name I, I like it as well the so you've been doing this for a while as i have so when you talk to all of these people i always say that for me these are mentoring sessions right and they're unintentional mentoring sessions where i, I get the best of some of the the best pm and pmo leaders in the world i get to talk to what are some of the takeaways you've had over the years from from your guests that have really stuck with you and have maybe influenced the way that you operate? There are so many. I think, um, as I said before, to think of, of contextualizing my life growing up. And, and it's not always about project management uh, that, I, that I pick up on these things. It's more about lots of experiential things and how people have got into project management. Mm -hmm. I think the thing, the thing that the mentoring sessions have Great, it's difficult. I've got a little board that I've stuck stuff on my wall where I've got um, there was a conversation about the Wright brothers arguing. I can't remember who, who that was now, and, and it, it struck me with that one was that um, they were arguing, but they saw it as a positive thing. They were really arguing, really, and someone had interrupted them about arguing. It's kind of no, that's what that's how we work, that's how we get together, and sometimes different people's styles and tools and techniques that they use to move forward are different. There was things like fail fast and learn quickly, those sort of things that came out of there from different conversations. And I think the the people, sorry, I keep looking up at my in, invisible board at this up here. <laughs> um, it, it just, I think people, the, the richness of the project management experience and kind of how a lot of the time it is what well, a lot of time, all the time. You said it earlier in, in, on people are what deliver projects. Pro processes don't deliver projects. Whilst they're absolutely critical, um, they don't deliver the projects. Your, your IT system that you're managing it in doesn't deliver projects. It's, it's the people who deliver it. It's the people who make it successful. And um, if you don't focus on the people, then it won't. It, it just doesn't doesn't happen essentially. Uh, yeah. So those are the key, the, the kind of key things that I, I, 
There's just so many people I've picked up through that. And every single one of them I come away with something that either makes me think differently or gives me a completely different point of view to how I would have been approached something. I, I think I was talking to Gerald Leonard last year and um, I, I'm a bass well, I say I'm a bass player. I have a bass guitar that I can make noises out of. I played when I was in a band when I was a teenager, like many of us did. And then I had Gerald Leonard come on, who's a professional jazz bass player. Oh, and that must have been fun. About, uh, yeah, it was. And, and you know what? Idiot that I am, um, I didn't ask him to play on the podcast. Oh. He sent me some, I had some music. I should have had it. His bass was there. I just, I don't know. My brain was, I, maybe I was just too starstruck or something. But, Gerald's a project manager as well. Yeah, so that's what he does. He's a professional bass player and a project manager. And he talked about the fact that um, bass playing, you'll get people will, um, or musicians, say, so general, when you're performing live in front of an audience, a very small proportion of what you do as a musician. And we, we as consumers, we see that when they're up on stage, that's when we see them, that's where they get all the glory. And, then behind that is years of practice, years and continued practice, honing, training, thinking of new ideas, playing around with different things. And just it, so whether it's 5% or whatever, it's such a small part of it. And a lot of the time, we, like the analogy with project management then is where you get your, your project kickoffs, which can be great fun for me. You can get there. You're all excited. It's something you, you're trying to work it out. You're in a room or you're in a virtual room trying to work out, right, what does this mean? How are we going to do this? What's the, what are the problems? Risk? And, and it's quite a, a lot of energy in that part of the delivery. And then right at the end, when you're all like, right, I'm ordering pizzas. Let's all get there. Let's get this delivery over the head. Or if it's a different industry, it's cutting the tape or whatever. There's a big celebration kind of field. So that or celebratory feeling, a lot of adrenaline again, and you get all that buzz. But in between is when the project gets delivered. Like you need a good start and you need that good effort, but that's that bit in the middle where, oh, we need to check the finance, we need to check it. That's when, and it's actually not the most exciting thing that we do. And the same with the bass player. Sitting there on piano, my, my daughter, my family, my daughter, and my wife all the piano, who's been piano tonight. Doing scales isn't the most exciting thing that they like doing. Playing the the tunes that they like to play and what they like doing. But you've got to go through a scale to be able to, be able to do that. It's the same sort of thing, following all the disciplines, all the QA stuff, all the things. Now, some people like all of those things as well. It just depends on the age. But I was thought what just struck me there is that like we are project managers, we are performers. We perform at the beginning, we perform at the end, and then we've got all this stuff in the middle, which we've got to keep going as well. Yeah, that's I last year I was out on a walk listening to ACDC, my my favorite band, and had them on my playlist. And uh, I came as I was listening on the walk, I started like taking their lyrics and saying, "Man, this is like the life of a project manager, right?" You know, like uh, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll, right? And and same for a project manager, right? You start out as a coordinator and work your way up, and so I eventually wrote this essay and put it all to music to describe the four acts of, of project lights. It used, uh, um, the different ACDC songs. I think I put like yeah. 60 different songs together and ended up nice. having it be a, uh, 
kind of a, an essay because that's what we are, right? We are entertainers, right? We have to be able to yeah. deal with people. And um, sometimes you're you're out there with your torn blue jeans and sometimes you're you're not, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. And I think I've learned more non-project management stuff, right? I, the, the human interaction, uh, talking with Ruth Pierce and Carol Osterwheel and Steve Fulmer and and Dr. Barbara Troutline and, and so many others about the interaction of people and how they interact and all of that has been really kind of amazing. Yeah, I, I got introduced to her. I had Ruth on my call, uh, on my podcast as well, and she was great. And I had a... Um, I had a model that I've been using for years, many years now, um, called the DISC model. Um, I, I got introduced to it way, way back in a book about yeah, positive personality profiles. And it was really, it's a really simple model where you have a, a four-part grid, people outgoing, reserved, people who are um, task-orientated or people-oriented. You kind of got four behavioral styles that we default to. And I've always used that as a really good model for and, and I, can I swear on this show, or do you prefer me not to? It, it's it's live, whatever you want to go so, with, man. You can imagine the word I use. It's kind of, it helped me work out why other people think I'm an idiot. Yeah. So, um, and it's um, you can in, insert whichever expletive you like. Uh, and basically, I, I, I realized that it was the way they they had a different behavioral style, they had a different communication style, they had a different character style, and when dealing with me, who's someone who can be at the complete opposite to them, I sit there going, ah, oh, that's why they don't like me. And that's why I think they're an idiot. And as soon as you get that, you can go, oh, man. And I, by the same virtue, the, the, the stuff that Ruth talks about, about the, um, the different strengths that you've got uh, and how you can see why people who've got certain strengths are being asked to do something that is against their strength, isn't one of their strengths. And you've got someone else who's got that strength and you're not asking them to do it and building a team together like that. It's just such so powerful for them. And I had Liz Hobbs, uh, she's a UK um, consultant who does disc profile and disc training around that. And I think there's a, a guy's over in the US called uh, managertools.com. They have a great podcast that I listen to. Don't want to advertise other people's podcast, but you know I mean? It's, it's good. Can't get away from it. And I, I started listening to that and they use that a lot in their... Um, in their uh, uh, model for improving management as a general management tool. Absolutely. Hey, well, you know, let's talk about your, you mentioned books earlier, but you have a, a new book that came out just a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit, right? Productivity hacks for project managers. Yeah. What's, yeah. what um, was the genesis of that? So um, it was, well, you do talk about getting inspiration from your, your you know, from the your podcast list. A, a long time back, I started doing a couple of posts around automation improvement, sort of productivity improvement things uh, from my from a uh, blog, and I never I never got around to finishing them. There was there was bits of it in there. There was using some of the IFTT stuff and things like that, and um, uh, trying to just uh, add some of the automatic things with your phone just to simplify life a little. And, and I thought, well, well, this has got a bit more legs in it. I could do more with it, maybe. But I never did any. And then uh, uh, probably a year, year, 18 months later, I was interviewing Sarah Hogan back in September 2019. Um, I think she's on my show in March, I think it was. I um, and she 
was talking, we were talking about productivity. And during that conversation, I remembered we talked about different things that I've done, different things I've learned from other people, I've shared with other people, um, and went through a number of conversations on that. And, and it kind of sparked my interest of, yeah, I, I've still got that idea. And actually, it could, a lot of the tips and, and the hacks in there, I've used hacks because I'm trying to think of what the latest brand would be on it. Is it tips? We are talked about on another show. Tips is a bit soft. Hacks. Sorry, guys. It's a bit American for me as I'm British, but you know, and, and, and shortcuts doesn't sound right. So it's a quite difficult thing to choose what you're going to call it. Um, but uh, I decided a lot of those those ideas that I've been used over the years. I spent time with people who worked with me, people who worked for me, and people I worked for as customers as well and managers saying, well, I do this and it's like maybe dealing with email or, or um, uh, uh, dealing with notifications and things like that. And there's, there's a number of different sections in there. And I just decided, well, I can help one person by telling them that I can help two people, maybe 10 people. And the idea was, well, if I write it, put it down in the book, four people can learn how to use it. I might get a bit of cash because I'm not fully philanthropic. Um, it might be a way to make a little bit of money. and I quite enjoyed the process as well. I do enjoy the process of the starting with the idea, creating a book and getting it through. And it is very much like a project. The start of it's really exciting. You start designing covers and playing around with that. Start writing out your idea. I, and I recorded it all because uh, I did a lot of it using dictation. Um, and then found that the editing after it's been dictating is hard because um, uh, Microsoft or Otter, whatever you use, doesn't hear you very well. And uh, there's some quite rude uh, corrections that I had to put in there. Uh, that uh, had come out a bit weird. And that bit in the middle then, from that editing and getting it through and pushing it through, that again, it was hard. But that was the, that's where the work went in until the end when, yeah, press the button right, that's going out now. And uh, then starting doing a bit more than hard, a bit of marketing and promotion, which part of what uh, I hassled you to get on the show. Yeah. 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 But it's... It, yeah, that that's why I wanted to do it. And uh, thank you, Sarah, if, if you're listening to this for uh, uh, being that inspiration for it. Especially in this new world, right, uh, where we're interacting with COVID, where we have to be remote and, and finding different ways to be a, more efficient and to be able to work with our teams, especially being yeah. remote teams and everything. I can imagine that catching on some productivity and technology hacks would be fantastic. How many of them are in the book, right? Is it, uh, I think it's so, 11 of them, right? If I'm remembering yeah, right. You're absolutely right. There's 11. Um, and as you're a, um, uh, a metal fan from the sound of it, I imagine you've watched Spinal Tap. Yeah. Um, so it was a conscious reason to have these productivity hacks go up to 11 rather than 10. Um, just uh, just for my own amusement, really, more than anything else. Sure. <laughs> I kind of wanted it to be at that. And yeah, yeah, it's, there's, again, it's, aside from the inspiration from Sarah, I think that the, the idea of this book is if it helps someone get out of the office half an hour earlier, or it helps someone have half an hour lunch that they're not going to be getting, or if it helps them have be half an hour more productive each day, that means they can um, drive their career forward, then that would be chuffed. That if someone can do that. And I think that there are the, the, the 11 ideas, they're not actually rocket science. 
Um, they are just tools and tips I've used. Um, maybe the approach and maybe people pick up the ideas that I've got on there. Sit like from notifications on your phone and your desktop to scheduling email to using Outlook rules. Um, I think if, if anyone picks up the book and only uses the Outlook rules uh, tool, but when I discovered it, I thought it was a, um, an absolute uh, amazing tool to be able to use, to be able to go, right, when an email comes in, deal with it. And I think it's the thing that we don't realize is we've all got full inboxes and we've all got to go, right, I've got to deal with that. I've got to read all those emails. And actually that's impossible. And it doesn't necessarily align with your um, objectives and your goals or whatever you're trying to do. And then you take that and you go, okay, fine. So if I'm not going to read all of them, if you accept that point, then how do I decide which ones to read? Because the data that we've got to make that decision is when it came in, who's it from? What's the title? Um, I'm holding my hands up here, not high enough for the camera. <laughs> what's the title? Um, and um, uh, maybe if it's got an attachment, if someone else has tagged it as important, put time on it. Um, it's not, and all of those data points aren't necessarily aligned with your objectives. Even the title may not relate to what the question is in the email. Because how many times have we seen emails where you get an email sent to you, it's gone to someone else, gone to someone else, been forward, copy, copy, forward, forward, copy. And then someone said, yeah, but what about this? And then the next train of conversation goes on. And what you actually get in front of you, you think, well, oh, that's to do with, oh, God, that's important. It's to do with um, this month's major release. Open it up. Where's the, t where's the coffee shops? What? Someone else has taken it off. Maybe not that extreme. Uh, there, there are other emails you might get from someone senior, very, very senior. And it might be that it says, yeah. Somebody's moved or not washing up their teaspoons. Can you sort out their teaspoons? Um, it doesn't need to be dealt with straight away. If, if you missed it, as long as you, you aren't the person who's doing it, it probably doesn't matter. But again, your data points are limited. And one of the things I did many years ago was all of my copy emails, when any, so any, anyone copies me in an email, it gets moved to a separate folder called CC. And I read it sometimes and i tell people i don't read the, the copied emails why i may not read them you won't get them dealt with i prioritize it now the risk is there that well what if in that cc someone senior or someone important or something important is in there well i may have missed it anyway in the morass of other things that i'll be looking at and going well which one do i choose i might have chosen all of the admin type ones instead of the important ones because i've got li limited data to make that decision on and so that's one of the things I did. That's the first thing I did. And, I, I, and there's a risk. Right? So there is a risk. And you can put filters on it and say, with the Outlook tools, you just go, right, okay, unless it's for my boss, key customer, key staff, key family members, um, move into the CC. And that removes some of the risk. But there's always a risk of you missing an email. How many times have we, we got things where people pick up the phone five minutes after they've sent, you've sent them the email? They've sent you the email. So have you read it yet? Well, no. There's a hundred other ones sitting there. Yeah. And, it, and what it does, it, it, it does that prioritization management automatically for you in a, in a more effective way than you can do it otherwise. And then you can move on. There's a whole bunch of other stuff you can start doing with it. And when you start using it, you start going, hang on. So a while back, I said, there were meeting invites. 
Now, sometimes I need to deal with them quickly because someone's sending me a late change to a meeting invite, which is a, is a very good practice. But other times, most of the time, I don't need to accept an invite within five minutes of arriving in my inbox. I don't need to accept an invite even that day sometimes. So I move them off to a separate page. I've got some communication stuff where we've got all hands communication things come out. I move them to a separate section and I deal with those on generally on a Friday. I'd sit there and go and look at catch up on that sort of stuff on a Friday when when I can find it a little bit it can be a little bit quiet. Um holiday improvements. So say say you've got holiday and expense approvals, I move them into one place as well. And the reason I do that is then you have say 20 expenses to approve. You log into the expense approval system. And you deal with all 20 of them one after another. You're not logging in, then going away, and then two, two hours later logging in, because you just, it's not lean, is it? It's sort of lean technology. You're, you're going back in and redoing the same thing over and over. Whereas if you can batch them and deal with them, it's quick. And, and when you start looking at it, you start going, oh, I can do that, that way. I can do that, that way. I can do that, that way. That's, that, like I said, that, of, of all of them, that's the one that I've, I've, I've talked to people about so many times. And I, there's a story in the book of when I when I did it, the first time I did it, I clicked that button, I'd get all the CCs and they all moved. I find I left it on all day. I was tempted to look, but I did I was immense sort of control. And I went and had a look at the end of the day. And I saw this big list of emails, all with the same title, re, forward, forward, re, re, forward, all those in front. And I thought, oh, what's this? So I looked at the last one and it said, all done. Cheers. Thanks for your opening. <laughs> kind of went, oh, oh that's, that's good. Kind of thinking, let's, I better read through and check this everyone's have. So I went through and looked at it, got through to the beginning of it and looked at it. And I thought, yeah, I would absolutely have got in the whole thing if I'd seen that. Email. I would have been discussing, I would have been doing it. Now, I think at the time my ego probably said, well, and, and even now I still sit there, I think, well, I probably could have got it done a bit quicker or a bit better um, than the guys, the team doing it. But I see that's rubbish. Uh, the team didn't need me to solve that problem. The team didn't need me to get that done. The organisation didn't need me to be spending my time doing that. And it kind of nailed it, nailed it on as me going, right, that's it. I'm going to use that tool. I'm going to keep on using it. And I, I Last year, back in the end of last year, I was on another podcast with a friend of mine in Shrewsbury, just at the road in Shropshire. And um, he said that he'd been doing that for a while and he marks it as red. Now, I've never been brave enough to mark all of them as red. I always had my big list of <coughs> there's 50, there's 200 cc, and then every so often I'd arc as well. And then I took the jump to do that. And my attention is not diverted to that cc folder like it used to be now. It used to be, I do check, I have a quick jump in my half hour when I do the email, right? Do my inbox, do that, right? And I, because there's no little bold thing by the CC saying 50 emails, I don't notice it. And so far, I haven't seen any fires yet. Maybe I'll just wait for them to come. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so that's the, that was an example of one of the, the things in there. And yeah, if people don't buy the book, if they just do that, that would be great. And I think it just it would save you time. It would give you less stress, and it would just it just mean you'd be focusing on your priorities and on your objectives. Which is even even if it doesn't save you time, if you're focusing on focusing on priorities and objectives of your job, you'll be doing better in your business. Well, that's the the thing which I love about books like this one is that 
oftentimes we all build our own little hacks, right? Our own little productivity yeah. hacks. And we like them, but we keep them to ourselves and we don't share them with others and we don't learn from others. So even though the 11 items that you have in your book, people, you may have, you know, you said at the beginning, right? Hey, they're nothing groundbreaking about them. They're just things yeah. that work for you. But if they work for one person, they'll probably work for more than one person. Yeah. And, 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 that, that, and you don't have to be groundbreaking to save a half an hour a day or 15 minutes a day, or even, even if it's just a minute, but the aggravation of something, yeah. right? I mean, those are all things that, that we all benefit from. And that's why I love books like this one. Yeah. Well, if you, you think about it, it's just, thank you for that. It's, it's just, it kind of gives me that boost of, of, of yes, that's what I wanted to, um, that's what I wanted to do. Really. It was that case of, um, I think sometimes we'll, we'll sit there and, and all of us will find a way to do something. But as you say, you've got your own little list of hatches, little spreadsheets that you use that you've managed to work out and get something to do something. Um, and you think, well, everyone must know that. Right. I think sometimes yeah. I'm, the, I'm the last one who's learned how to do this. And then when you start telling other people about it, and they go, oh, wow, cool. And you start, oh, didn't you know? oh wow, cool. And you think, well, there's, there's, it's, it's some knowledge that you've built up and, or some tool, um, some experiment you've tried. And like I say, a lot of these things, are, they're things that I've heard other people say to do. And I thought, well, I'll do them. And they work. I found them work for me. I think the other thing I have... I do say in the book is that uh, I'm not an angel in doing these. I fall off the wagon, but it's, and, and this time of year, it's a perfect time. It's people are getting on their, their health and fitness kind of goals, setting goals for the year, all that sort of thing. And actually, if you're going to do a, a fitness regime or a, a productivity, it's the same for me. Productivity, fitness, it's like yoga. I think I say, if you, um, you can never be, you can never, you don't finish being good at yoga you don't finish go right that's it i've done it all now i am the yoga person i've done it i, I can't improve anymore there's always that little bit more you can stretch and uh productivity is the same but you can always get more productive but also you every so often you'll stop doing it same as you do with exercise you'll stop doing it but it doesn't matter you start again and you start again and then you start gaining those back and some of these things may not fit for some people some of them may be just not be great or in the role they're in at the moment, they may not be important. Productivity to me is something we can work on all the time. It's that, you, I don't know about time, about you, but I went to time management courses years ago and I've been on them since and on presentation courses as well. And you always go come away from there going, yeah, I, I've, if I've learned something new or more often you kind of it reminds you something that you've learned previously that you'd let fall by the wayside mm -hmm. so hopefully this will this will be a little um, booklet and but i don't know if it was because i've got a background screen on yeah it probably won't work unless i put it in front of you the, the book is the, the the paperback version is tiny it's a, it'll fit in the back of your jeans pocket um so it's um it's it makes it very easy to read uh and easy to carry around and keep with you if you want to um it's even got a picture of me in the back of it so there you go well all right <laughs> that should be a a new question now for your show for each guest that you come on right because i know you have a series of questions you ask them and yeah, I, yeah. i'd ask them hey what's a one productivity hack that you have 
So that's a really good idea. So volume two of the book, right? The second edition can now be the additional hacks from, from all the different guests that you have that come on as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think I asked you at the time was when we started the podcast, um, I asked for your permission to be able to sort of distill down those interviews into a book, um, which I'd still, I did start with the, the first year. I did um, get all of the, I used a, a product called Otter AI to transcript, transcribe. Uh, I, well, I tried to get a little bit of that and a little bit of Amazon as well to try and transcribe all of it. Mm-hmm. And then it transcribed it. And then I realized that I can't remember how many thousand words each interview was because they were quite long form. And I'm sitting there going, oh, geez, I've got to edit that. So that's another one that's kind of gone on the back burner at some point. I do, I do want to do that because, as you say, some of the insights and the conversations are so rich. Um, in those uh, interviews, that for people who don't consume in this manner, or, or if they do, and they have it as a ready a, a reminder. Um, but I am writing down now uh, that prod hacks question, which I think I will have add in there. Yeah, and I, we're the same way. I, I've had a to do list now, or an action item on my to do list for about two years to write the project management office hours book. Right. I mean, again, just think we've had so many yeah. fantastic guests on over the year that if you bottle up just a part of that conversation with uh, with Lee Lambert and Peter Taylor yeah. and Laura Bernard and and so many others that we've had on just, to, you know, yeah. just name a few. It's boy, I want to write it for me. I want to read the book, even though I was hosting the shows. I don't remember everything we talked about. And to be able and to then go and you've revisit. got that little thing you can pick up and pull out all of the key items in there and things like that. Yeah, it would be, I'm surprised when you think about the amount of content you can create. My experience of it had been it's, it's actually not that difficult to do. Um, it, I, I, I'm, I was quite impressed at the beginning of this show with your fancy intro. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Oh, oh, if, I, if I wasn't so lazy at times, that would be great. And, and the, the audio as well as the video and all that, whereas I've got... Um, uh, I use a, a product called Anchor, and it's the first, the first sort. I think it was the first. I think it, Heist. It's called. Is the first free bit of intro music that they have on it, and I kind of oh like that. Right, that's it. That's what I'm using, and then I just intro it myself and do it each time, and then use the same things. I've started adding a bit more in there, but I kind of get it's um it's quite um. Uh, interesting on the different approaches and uh, on how you can do it. Well, the, the beauty of being live out there now is people can see, right? So, so one of the camera angles we have is the overhead here yeah. in the studio and over to the side, you can see all the audio equipment. We have show producers yeah. and when we take the recording, it goes back to Atlanta and they, they do a master on it and pull out the sound and clean up the, the audio on everything. And we had hired a marketing team at one point. I didn't create that video, right? The intro video. That was a, a marketing yeah. team that had to come in and, and put that together. So That's these are all the things I, after four or five years behind the scenes and we come now out and everybody can see this is this is what production is, right? This is what happens really when we do the show. Yeah, it's great. And it's like, I, I think with mine, it's always been that thing. I'm kind of wanting to, uh, trying to get it to uh, pay for itself, if you like. Yeah. Drag it up by its bootstraps and that's a, but it's always been right. What's the freest tool? What's the simplest one? What's the, the least amount of effort for me to do? Um, and it, it, but it works at the end of the day. I, uh, 
most of the time, I say my intros and my outros and, and the little bit of news bit is normally done on a Saturday morning, sat in my kitchen with my phone in front of me, just onto the phone, on, on straight into the Anchor app. Because actually, when I listen back to it, for me, uh, the quality of it is 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 fine. And I think the, the, for anyone out there who's ever thinking about doing it, it's, you pick up an app like Anchor or one of the other ones that are out there. And they're found amazing what, what we can do now compared to what we could do uh, way back. Unfortunately, got a decent head, a decent mic, a decent computer and an internet connection, and you're there. And even then, a phone could probably do it halfway there. Yeah, I mean, just think back, uh, Cornelius Fickner and Andy Kaufman yeah. and all those, you know, the people who were doing this 10 years ago, yeah. uh, the evolution that we've had over time with the new technology, and it's uh, certainly made this been easier, but it's a lot of work, right? I mean, I get a lot of people who will ask me, uh, you know, what do you think? Should I start up a podcast, and how much time do you put in it? And I'll tell them, you know, I'm, I'm putting in, you know, five-plus hours a, a month on this. It's not just to show up and once and do it. You got to book your guests. You got to prep in advance. You got to do your post show. You got to do your pre show. You have the show time. I mean, there's a lot of stuff involved, and it's not easy to keep at it. You know, yeah. we're in the new year, right? A lot of people have their New Year's resolution. They're going to get fit. They're going to do everything. And by February, they stop, right? Here we are, four or five years later on the show. We haven't stopped, right? We keep going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think the thing is, if you get something out of the, these conversations, then you're going to keep on doing it. And that's what I found. The reason I keep on doing it is not that I'm, it's not paying, there's by no way is it paying for me to have a yacht. Um, I certainly haven't picked up the Mimir jet from our podcasting. <laughs> Hopefully podcasting does that, give you that, uh, that opportunity. But you get something out of these conversations. And I, I'm astounded at the number of people who've said yes. Um, when I, 90% of my people that I've got on the show and booked on the call show I've gone through LinkedIn and said hi I do this little podcast here's here's a version of it is the is a really good one so there's Joe Memo Joe on it it's a really interesting interview and um go have a listen tell me what you think do you want to come on these are the questions I asked it's the same way I approached you wasn't it really? yeah and and invariably people say yes and then um and then you get conversations you sit there going oh wow but Eddie O'Bang was one who struck me. It was Eddie I'd seen way back when I was first in project management. I was um, we were doing some work with the PMI UK chapter, uh, and we were uh, I was part of the, um, the Midland area uh, team. And I was also looking at I, I, later on. I was looking at the marketing side for that, so doing the the newsletter at the time. It was a paper newsletter we used to send out rather than having a website. Uh, so that gives you a hint of how long yeah. ago it was. We probably did have a probably didn't have a website thinking right now. Yeah, so it shows you how long ago it was. And um Eddie O'Bang was like in PM network and then PMI he was like Dr. Eddie Bangs. And I was thinking, oh he's a bit of a famous guy then. And I, and I, I, and I, it took me a while to get around to pinging him a message and saying, Eddie, would you like to want it? And he was brilliant. And he was completely happy to be on the on the show and everything. So it's if if there is anyone who's thinking of doing a podcast, even or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, same, same for me. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Kurt, Harold Kersner, uh, when he yeah. came on, I just sent him a message on LinkedIn and said, Hey, I'd love to yeah. have you on the show. And what I, the evolution for me has been, I started the show 
doing the shows for me, right? Kind of my opportunity to be able to learn. But probably halfway through the first season, I realized people were writing me saying, hey, that was great content on that show. Here's what I learned. And I'm no longer there about me, right? Now it's yeah. how can I talk to the guests in a certain way that the listeners will find value out of the shows? And because most of the listeners don't have that opportunity to be able to speak to them because they don't have a podcast, they don't have a show to be able to connect to them. So if we can, you know, just build Dow, right. Was talking about how totally non-project management related, but he, he teaches tennis lessons to people in wheelchairs, right? Those sorts of inspirational moments where we take us as people and be able to share that may be the inspiration for somebody else to volunteer their time and go help somebody who is in need, right? That's yeah. the power of these things, right? This is where I love it. So for you, in your book, The Productivity Hacks, it's that same concept, right? I, yeah. I've got my own hacks. I may pick up something from you. I, I use Outlook in my own little way, right? But there's somebody else out there who may go out and pick up your book on Amazon and read that thing and say, oh, man, I never thought about that. I'm going to go do that. That's for the users. And I think that's ultimately where we get the most bang for, for these shows now is how we can share within our industry so that yeah. one person's successes can maybe be multiplied, right? And then others yeah. can benefit from that as well. Yeah, and I think it's uh, when you have... I, 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 as a general thing, getting me again with all this, I've always kind of bootstrapped it, and and getting um, the, the name out of the, the podcast has been quite difficult uh, to get a great number of interaction with my listeners. That's something that I have missed. I haven't seen any of that a great deal of it. Some, but not not a great deal. Not as much as I'd like. Um, and it kind of makes you feel: Should I do it? Should I not do it? Same with the books, you get some reviews in there. I had one of the reviews of the book, which is quite interesting. But the funniest review of my first book was when someone said it's for because it, it's comedy, it's, it's, like, uh, it's for a, um, a particular type of humor. I didn't even get past the second, I didn't even, I gave up after the first chapter. And it's kind of like there was only one chapter. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, so, so it's kind of, kind of made me chuckle a little. Uh, but one of the ones on this one was that, that someone, um, that suggested that most of these ideas a school kid should know. Um, and you will get some people out there, as I say, who know these things. And I, then I've had another person review it saying, absolutely brilliant, learned loads from it. So it, it's, it's, it is where there are so many different people out there who have different experiences of the same thing and can learn it. And I think uh, this medium of podcasting can allow us to, you write it in a book, that's great. You do a presentation, that's great. I like these conversations because you can take the conversation another step behind the the, the Wizard of Oz uh, curtains, if you like, of the conversation yeah. and kind of find out and go, yeah, but what what made you, what, what, how did you learn to do it? What was the reason that you used that tool or whatever? And, and um, some people don't even think about why they did what they did. And then when they start thinking about it, they start realizing, well, yeah, but that's what I did. And, and, I think one of the questions that comes out with some really interesting things is, is one that I have is around what's your biggest screw up mm. um, from a pro, from your career and what did you learn from it? Successes are great and all that, but it's, it's, it's generally in those dark hours that we learn stuff. 
maybe some of these tips and tricks can help with. And it's yeah. kind of the, the, talking about this, the, the whole thing around um, COVID and, and where we've been with that in the last year and how it, it made us all completely pivot from what a lot of us going into an office, being with the team, working together, etc., to being immediately remote within a matter of weeks. Even. It was a matter of weeks and we started working remote. And I, I couldn't put a put together this without putting something in there. So I, I've included something in there. And it's a little bit about my journey in, in through lockdown. Um, and I, I last year I was off with um, stress issues for five months. Um, mm. and related to the lockdown, there's other things around it as well. But um it it was the mental health side of it, I know a lot of us are aware of some of the things that I suffered from. In, in the way that I was dealing with stuff, I started to change. Uh, I've changed that and made a big difference to it. Even literally now, and I don't know if, if, if listeners can hear my Midland, who said, "Yeah, I'll be nice and quiet." He's singing in the in the other room, uh, maybe at the top of their voice. <laughs> that's working from um, home these days. So that's what happens. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, and the, one of the big things I found was I used to drive a forty-minute commute, so forty-minute put in the back, and you have a big decompression time. And that kind of, you're finishing, right, okay, feeling, you're processing the conversations you've had, you're remembering what's going on at home, what you do, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of get that that little zone of decompression. Literally two metres from my arm is my door into my dining room there. Yeah. And I would finish at work at 5.30, tea's on the table, or dinner, we call it tea, okay, we're this part of you. Yeah. Uh, dinner's on the table, and my family's there, and all dinner's being prepared and I'm, I'm going to help. But I'm straight into, I moved from nice to project manager to nice to dad and nice to husband, like that. And you get no transition. And I think that was one of the biggest, the biggest difficulties I found, along with um, video fatigue, performance fatigue, as I was referred to. Um, and, and I found that really hard and to try and do that switch quickly. And we, and we all deal with that, right? I mean, that's every, yeah. everyone's had that same experience around the world, right? It's not even yes. isolated to a city or a state or a country or a province, right? It's everyone in the world. Um, yeah. But the thing is, it's really tiny. That's the thing with that. It's a tiny, that little thing. You don't notice it to start off with. But it, it's it, over. It just keeps adding and adding and adding. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, here, here we are. Uh, uh, approaching uh, our time as we uh, again they all go by so fast and uh, I really enjoyed the session hopefully uh, the format was fine for everybody else out there as well um, Nigel I yeah, want to thank you yeah it, 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 it keeps telling me we're still live streaming so I think it works and, and I want to thank you for being on the show today we've got your LinkedIn uh, up on screen right now is is there anything that you've got coming up that people should be uh, familiar with or what's how can people get in touch with you or, or reach the so, show um, yeah so the um, the podcasts on all of the usual um, uh, places uh, but if you want to go and find the list of it it's on anchor.fm slash Sunday lunch pm uh, so you can grab it there or if or just nigelcreaser.com and you can kind of dive out to everything from there um, the, uh, uh, the the latest books up there on my uh, background if, for the people who can see 
Yeah. Um, you can grab a copy of that um, at Amazon, uh, the digital version. Uh, if you've got Amazon, the cheapest way to get it is if you've got Amazon Kindle, if you haven't got, sorry, Amazon Unlimited, get a three-month trial of it. It costs you about 99 pence or maybe it's free. And then you keep it for three months and then cancel it. But you'll be able to download my book and have a read of it. And I can kick up back on that. Or um, alternatively, uh, just jump along to Amazon. It's available in uh, Kindle, hardback or paperback, um, as are the other two books as well. The other two aren't in hardback. They're just in paperback. I haven't done that conversion yet. And that's it, really. And come along to show if you, uh, uh, and if anyone does buy and read the book and they do enjoy it, please let me know. Reviews, etc. That's fantastic. Well, thank you, Nigel. And of course, thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, please be sure to go out to our website. We've got it up there on screen, pmosquad.com forward slash podcast. And you can see all the 94 previous shows we've had before today uh, with so many fantastic guests over the year. And, and we have a lot of great guests lined up for this coming year as well. A uh, reminder that the shows are recorded, as Nigel had mentioned for his show as well. So you can go out there and uh, catch everything on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, whatever your platform of choice is. Please be a subscriber so that you don't miss any of these shows and all the fantastic guests that we have come on and, and get all the wisdom that they're sharing with us out there. Of course, thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad and the PMO Leader. Uh, the PMO Leader is a global community of PMO and project management leaders sharing and exchanging ideas without the pressure of certifications and all the other things that many other communities have out there. So it's a great place to be able to get uh, information and sharing and networking and exchanging with other leaders in our great community. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.